Seahawks 360 podcast, a Sports Ethos production, where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm your host, Candace Hagens, and it's always a pleasure and it's a privilege to talk Hawks with you. It is especially a pleasure to talk Hawks with you on today because the NFL draft for long, long months of anticipation has finally happened, and we know who are our new Seattle Seahawks. So we got a deep dive for you today because really, what else is there to cover? I mean, there aren't really anything. There's nothing more important than getting into some of the draft picks. And and I'll tell you a little bit about the rookies and what I liked about the pick and what I didn't like about the picks that they what they went through. So we got 10 guys to get into. So let's get started and talk some Hawks. Now, I'm going to do my slideshows. I decided to do that, continue that. For those of you watching on YouTube, uh, live stream, thank you. We appreciate you. We hope you give a like and a follow. Um, and since you are, go ahead and subscribe. Make sure to continue to get this quality content that we're putting out for you guys. But let's get into it. So the first pick that the Seattle Seahawks chose was with their number fifth overall pick, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. And... A lot of people were surprised, and I got to be honest, so was I, because Jalen Carter was clearly on the board. Uh, Will Anderson had already been taken off of the board. It was the Texans got both C.J. Stroud and uh, Will Anderson, and so as a blow, now the good news is the Seattle Seahawks don't have to play Jalen Carter twice a week. I mean, yeah, or, or Will Anderson, sorry. They don't have to play Will Anderson twice a year. That's great, because it was looking like, Arizona might take that pick into the last second where the trade came up. But, man, it, my initial reaction was a little disappointed, right? Because everybody wanted defensive line. Everybody wanted them to address defensive line. It didn't really seem like there were any other quality picks, and a lot of people wanted Anthony Richardson, who had just gone at pick number four. So it was obvious that that was off the board. But I got to be honest, I, I loved the pick. I did. It took me a minute to get over the initial shock, as I'm sure it did for many of you guys. But I said in the beginning, I was going to trust John Snyder and Pete Carroll's evaluation process. They did have this guy in, right? They met with him. They, uh, I, we don't know how the meeting went. Obviously, didn't go great enough. And I'm sure they just had too many questions at the end of the day about Jalen Carter and his and his character, or really less his character, maybe more his competition, his 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 drive to be great was in question because, well, it should be. Out of everything we've seen from Jalen Carter, he's talented, but is he going to play hard every down? No one can tell you that. And I don't think they walked away from that interview feeling like this guy was going to play hard for us every down. And it, they just feel like it was too big of a risk. And I think I understand that even if he turns out good, the situation he ended up going to with the Eagles is just something the Seahawks wouldn't be able to replicate. An opportunity to be with former teammates, an opportunity to be with a team who just competed in the Super Bowl last year. It, it's just different, you know? And so that probably was the better place for him, as sad as I am that Jalen Carter, the talent, isn't on our defensive line. You know, you got to be excited about what the secondary can be. And so... That's enough about Jalen Carter. He's not a Seahawk, and I'm trusting their decision on it. By the way, before I move on, it was reported the very next day after the draft, or the very next Monday, rather, after the draft that from by Mike Florio that a lot of the coaches of Georgia were trashing Jalen Carter. Like, they did not have good things to say about him. And with all the other red flags that he had, if you're also getting trashed by your coaches, I just don't know how you could take that guy unless you are the Eagles who, if you just left the Super Bowl, well, you can afford to take that risk. You just went to a Super Bowl. Your job's not going to be in jeopardy. Unlike Pete Carroll and John Snyder, who if that pick didn't pan out, it could be their jobs, you know? So, excited about Devin with a spoon because you have an elite, elite, and unique corner with incredible instincts. He has not been playing the position very long at all. Now, he is undersized at the cornerback position, but he's got just about everything you need. He does not play like he is 5'11". He's 5'11 and 181 pounds, and the guy plays like he's 220 pounds. Uh, he is 
by many accounts, considered the best cornerback in the draft. And that's really what I like about this pick. To get the opportunity to get the best of something is rare, especially if you've been following the Seattle Seahawks. So to have that opportunity is incredible, especially because the level of physicality he plays with is absolutely unmatched. Like his highlight reel when they drafted him was him making tackles. And that's not common with cornerbacks when they play a lot of times their highlights are going to be interceptions, understandably, maybe pass breakups. But he is just a hard hitter. And he does it in a clean way. So it's not he's over-aggressive to the point of hurting his team. He just found this great balance of being physical but understanding the confines of the NFL. And that is unique. Most of the time you have to coach that out of players. You don't have to do that with Devin Witherspoon. He's also got an incredible instincts. I was just surprised at the level of his recognition Um Given that he has not been playing cornerback long, he, he was playing basketball. So he kind of fell into this cornerback position. And it's that's great. It's like Tariq Woolen, right? Where you one thing you loved about Tariq Woolen was his upside, given that he was this good and he had been playing the position that long. Well, it's the same thing with Devin Witherspoon. So much upside because he's still got so much to learn and he still already knows so much. He's not a raw guy. One thing that stood out to me was his recognition. Like I said, it seemed to me like he was a screen whisperer. And this team needs that because they got killed on screens all the time. You know, it made you really miss K.J. Wright when, you know, K.J. Wright was kind of the screen whisperer guy. Looking at this guy's film, I'm like, all right, is he our new screen whisperer? Which will be incredible, especially coming from a cornerback. But it will be incredible in general because that means that this team can stop, you know, (laughs) you could – it was frustrating seeing them unable to recognize screens and react accordingly. So that will be huge for the defense in and of itself. The level of versatility that Witherspoon brings is incredible too. He can play inside, he can play outside, um, which is what you need. And I think this team, the new scheme, they really want to mix it up. They got Jordan Love, a guy who can play multiple positions. They got Devin Witherspoon, a guy who can play multiple positions. And even if you look at Draymond Jones, He's a guy that can play out on the edge. He can he can play three tech for you. Sometimes they can even play him at nose. It's not really his natural position, but they can play him there. And of course, you know Jamal Adams is a chess piece, uh, and we forget that Quandre used to play nickel too. So they just seem like they got a secondary that is versatile, right? And that goes so far in terms of being able to catch teams off guard. The secondary looks absolutely elite right now. Uh, going back to Devin Witherspoon, you, you love his ball skills. He's got pretty good ball skills. I'm, I'm not sure. It's hard to, to gauge on if he'd be a Tariq. He probably won't be a Tariq Woolen level type of ball hawk because his arms aren't as long. But you just want a guy who can even just get pass breakups for you. I mean, you want a guy who can be sticky in coverage and prevent guys from catching passes because that's going to prevent you from being able to choose a side. See, as the season went on last season, People just started avoiding Tariq Woolen, and they'll be able to get their yards on Kobe Bryant and on Michael Jackson. Because Michael Jackson would be near the guy, but he just wouldn't be able to break up the pass. He didn't get a ton of pass breakups the way you would want. He was near guys, and so they didn't, he wasn't playing five yards off to the point that he wasn't anywhere near when the guy caught the ball. It just wasn't enough. He wasn't aggressive enough, or maybe. You know, didn't have that same level of talent to be able to deflect some of those passes and, and just get in a corner and in, in a wide receiver's way. Well, now that can't be an option because now you're going to have to choose. Do you want to throw a Devin Witherspoon or do you want to throw it to Rick Willen? And this kid's going to get the test early because early on, they're just going to decide to throw a Witherspoon. Like if you had to choose, you're going to pick the rookie and see if he can survive. And I think that this guy can stand up and, and, and pass all those tests and really make it a tough decision for a deep for an offense to have to figure out how to navigate. Most importantly though, the thing I like about this pick is that it's a great position to take high. Cornerback, I know people I know people are gonna be upset because you know you think you win in the trenches. And that's true. I'm not gonna say that's not true, but cornerback it's important. You've got to have receipt. You've got to have guys. There were more and more elite receivers coming out at a rapid pace. With this year being the exception, almost every draft in the past five years has had super elite guys come out and be effective on day one. 
you absolutely need people to counter. You need guys who can who can counter preventing these shifty, fast wide receivers from getting these yards. Got to make it difficult on the offense as the game continues to get more geared towards offense. You need guys to counter that. And this is absolutely a huge step towards doing that. Cornerback is so important, and I feel like it's becoming undervalued, which is crazy because, you know, I know defensive line is important. But you need both. You need elite defensive line and you need to be elite corner. You know, that's why people saw the Rams as uh, the, the standard for so long because they had an elite defensive lineman and they had an elite corner, two important premium positions. And now it sort of seems at least like in the recent year or so, it, that's kind of being downplayed. And cornerbacks are not easy to find. They're just not. So that's a great positional value. And they found a true Seahawk, a guy who they know is going to be, who's going to go hard every play. He's going to give you his best. He's going to work hard to be great. He's going to pay attention to details. And he's going to come in with a mature, hungry mindset. And that's really getting back to their roots. It really, I mean, it's too early. I haven't seen anything on the field, but they're trying to get back to Legion of Boom, too. You can see it. Like, they're, they're building that secondary up to be monstrous. They really are. But there are some concerns, right? Obviously. As there is with any pick. And, and the fact that he is undersized and he's so physical does scare me a little bit. You don't want to get a Jamal Adams effect with a guy who's super talented but just can never stay on the field. Uh, does he have the sense enough? Is he good at picking his spots? Um, I, I heard an interview on the radio on Seattle Sports when he was saying that he does have to kind of balance that and pick a spot sometimes. But, you know, it's different on the NFL level, and you just want him to be healthy. Uh, you need health from this young team. And that's a question, right? Will his style of play, you know, counteract his potential longevity? To be determined. Sometimes he can be a little overly aggressive, but I think that's something that Pete Carroll can coach out of him. That I'm really not worried about that. Especially when we saw the the swift um, development of Tariq Woolen, I think Tariq, I mean Devin Witherspoon, it's gonna be fine. And the one thing that I will say, you know, you don't love is that he's better at man coverage than in zone coverage. And the Seahawks play a lot of zone. That's just I, I never the reason why I disregarded cornerback. And if you listen to my previous episode, you know. I just wasn't high on getting a corner this high because I didn't think they were going to properly use him. Now, my hope is that they're willing to play more man coverage. Now, you did see sometimes where they did split coverage where Tariq Woolen might play man and the other half of the field's playing zone because they don't trust they got to play man. So maybe that's just a, t- a, a sign that they're willing to become more aggressive in coverage. If so, I'm all here for it because you really got to compliment your players. They talk about doing it. That's what you got to see if you're really trying to compliment your players. Now, the good news is he's good at both. Unlike uh, Christian Gonzalez, who sort of struggled in one. Um, he struggled in zone wasn't. Witherspoon is fine in zone. He's better at man, but he's fine in zone. He's not a liability in any way. And I do think the other corners, Joey Porter, uh, Christian, Christian Gonzalez, were... They were sort of liabilities at that position, to be honest. So that's not really what you wanted. Um, and then there'll be the question, right? Devin Witherspoon will always be compared to Jalen Carter from Seahawks fans' perspective. And will his impact at cornerback be able to equal Jalen Carter's impact on defensive end or defensive tackle? That remains to be seen. But I think it was the best pick for them. Therefore, I grade that pick. With an A minus, you know, you you would you want a defensive lineman that high? Absolutely. But this was, I think, a good decision for the Seahawks. And even if it doesn't go the way they want it, with Jalen Carter becoming great, you understand the decision. Now, they got to live up on it. It was risky, so I mean, he's got to stay healthy in order to live up to the billing. But excited about this guy coming to the team. So. Moving on to the next pick, with the 20th pick, the Seattle Seahawks selected Jackson Smith Enigma. Enigma. I always mess that up at Ohio State. But I did talk about this guy. So I was pretty excited because I did talk about the possibility that he could be available at 20. 
Yeah. So I'm proud. Proud of that one. I didn't see Devin Witherspoon coming, but I absolutely saw Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba. And if they did not take a defensive player, this was one of the few offensive players I was okay with them taking. He's got better size than some of the other guys, and he's by far the most elite. He was the best wide receiver in the draft. And so to go out of the first round and get the best cornerback and the best wide receiver, you absolutely can't beat. And another thing that I love about this pick is it feels an underrated need. So I know everybody was talking about the defensive line. I know everybody's talking about nose tackle. I know everybody's talking about the offensive line. And I understand all of those things. But the reality is, at some point, this team was depending on D. Eskridge, who could not stay healthy, to play. They had guys like Penny Hart taking regular snaps for this team when he's really just a practice squad kind of dude. No offense to Penny Hart. But that's just the level of his talent. He's not going to help you in any regard. They had Tyler Lockett at times trying to run jet sweeps. That just doesn't work. Doesn't work. It was needed, guys. It was 100% needed for them to get a third wide receiver. And it was important that they get it right. Because you can't have another DS type of situation. Some people will say, well, you could have drafted some other wide receivers in the later rounds that I loved. You know, if you guys watched me live, I did a, a final mock uh, draft, and I talked about guys like uh, Parker Washington and Xavier Hutchinson and just some underrated guys. But who's to say those guys will be any different than how it worked out with D. Eskridge? Because it's not just getting healthy with D. Eskridge. The question is, is when he is on the field, he just doesn't add that impact. He doesn't really seem to even grasp the con- the, the understanding of the offense, and he just seems to... He's going to develop slowly. I mean, if he becomes anything at all, it's going to come with a lot of time. And you just don't want to risk that if you're the Seahawks again at an important position. Because this team needs somebody to get some double teams off of Tyler Lockett and Metcalf. You don't just have to choose, right? Any defense can choose. We're going to pick one of them and leave the other in single coverage. Okay, well now if you do that, Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba, or JSN, I'm just going to say JSN. JSN is going to keep you honest, right? You're going to keep him honest. And if he eats you alive to the point you have to double team him, great. DK's wide open. Tyler's wide open. And bombs absolutely away. This makes for an extraordinarily explosive, explosive offense. And it gives, you know, another important weapon because the guy gets his yards. What I love most about him is the guy gets his yards after the catch a lot of the times. He's just not a guy you can easily tackle. At least he was not in college. A guy you could just easily tackle after the first go. He was a guy who was really shifty and was going to find ways to get open and find soft soft spaces and zones and just, you know, make guys miss with his route running ability and his quickness. He ran it. He ran it. Yeah, well, he didn't run a, a high 40, right? A 4.53 was his, was his, you know, that it wasn't a burner, right? And that's what prevents him from being like an elite outside guy. But he is a guy who can, who can move the chains for sure. And this team needs to get better on third downs. It's just been a struggle. Last year was an improvement from obviously the late Russell years, but it's been a challenge. To really get a lead of third down. And this is a guy who can absolutely help you do it. And what I love most about the first round picks combined. Both of these guys. From this. From Jackson. From JSN. To Devin Witherspoon. Help you get better on third down. On both ends of the ball. Because guess what? Third down is a passing down. It just is. So on the defensive end. When you're trying to go to your best wide receiver. The guy who you can count on to get you to help move the chains. But now he's either going to be on Tariq Woolen or Devin Witherspoon. Good luck. Good luck with that. And then on the third down, on the offensive end, you've got a guy who if you double team one of our best guys, we still have another option to throw at you that's going to help absolutely move the chains. He's just 21 years old, so super young. 
Uh, I like his size. I mean, compared to the other wide receivers, he's 6'1", 196 pounds. I'm sure you could get him up to 200 if you really wanted to. He's got enough, you know, girth to him to be able to withstand some some punishment a little bit better than some of these 5'8 receivers and 175 and 155-pound receivers that were in this draft, man. It was crazy. It was really small cornerback. I mean, really small wide receivers in this draft. Man, but uh, while he's a guy who did not have – a strong camp. He didn't really get a chance to play last year, so he only got to play in three games. But his 2021 campaign was elite. He had 1,600 over 1,600 yards. And I'm just telling you guys, most of it came from yards after catch. It's crazy. And if he had gone last year, he would have been a top 10 pick, which makes this excellent value because even though he still missed a year. After the after his pro day performance, he was still predicted to go anywhere from 10 to 15. Not many people really thought he could be available at 20. Now, we here on CR 360 did, but many just did not imagine a world where he would go that late. And he was the first wide receiver off of the board. So, like I said, just excellent value. His one off the catch is going to be um, huge for this team. It's what they've been needing for forever. A guy who can move horizontally. A guy who can make defenses defend every blade blade of grass. Vertically and horizontally. So, I'm really excited to see what Geno can make of this. And if Geno can just even hold steady and play anything like he did before, the three of these guys combined makes for, I just think, the best trio in the league. Now, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I'm just not seeing guys who have some who have electric talent like this. And, and, and they all complement each other so well that I just don't think there's another team that can top it, period. There's no redundancies in the top three. And then you still got a guy who, I'll be honest, I like uh, at Dariq Young. That's his name, right? Yeah, Dariq. I, I really like Dariq a ton for this team. Now, I love him as a fourth option, not a third. But I think he can add some some even better depth. I think he can really step into that role and, and be productive it, as a fourth wide receiver. He's got he's really good at blocking. I think they'll be involved with him on the offense. But I'm glad they didn't count on him to to take a huge leap forward to be the number three guy. And number four, I think he's gonna thrive. So just again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I just can't talk enough about how excited I am to see this offense with three wide receivers. I don't think that the Seahawks offense has ever, ever had this this many weapons that complement each other this way. Oh, man, possibilities are endless. So there are not too many things I don't like about this guy. I'm just be honest. Uh, I mean, the only thing you can knock him for is not having top-end speed, right, um, which makes it question – can he play on the outside? I mean, that's about it. And I think in time, he'll be able to grow into that role. I really do. I think he'll figure out how to win on the outside over the years. But he does not have to do that right away. And I heard some people talking about how they didn't really feel that this pick was... Uh, well, I heard people talking about how they, how they were disappointed. It was a fantasy podcast, right? But they were talking about how they were disappointed that JSN went to the Seahawks because they already have two targets and they felt like it was just going to take away from his opportunities. But I just, I just ask, for those of you who feel like it's going to hurt him in fa- like fantasy, how did you think he was going to get his yards? Yes, he may not get as many targets. That's true. But the guy has yards after catch. That's that's always how he's going to get his yards. I mean, he didn't have a ton of. He played already in an offense with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in college. Those three guys managed to figure out okay, and you know how he got his yards in those in that elite trio of wide receivers. Yards after catch. It's like you didn't watch his game at all. If you watched his game, you understood how he got his yards. It wasn't because they kept feeding him the ball. It was just because. With two elite threats on the outside, you got to go inside sometimes. So he's going to get targets. I think he might even get sometimes more targets than DK and Lockett in a game because he's going to be the most open, period. So I just wanted to, to, to address that. I know some people feel that way. Not a lot of people do, but I just heard some commentary from fantasy owners, you know, kind of kind of poo-pooing the move. And I just think that's wrong. I just think if you really think that, you don't really understand Jason's game. So moving on to the next pick.
Pick number three, Derek Hall. I, oh, I forgot to say, if you didn't know, I give the Jackson Smith move an A. If you, if you didn't know that already, it's hard to give it an A plus because, again, you really want a defense at a certain point, and this still wasn't that. Then he does have sort of a ceiling. He's a slide wide receiver, and you always got to say, you know, it's not great, right, in theory, but this team needed this type of slot receiver for sure. So moving on to Derek Hall. Uh, out of Auburn. Interesting guy. Real great character. Uh, he is the edge. Strong leadership there. Uh, he, they sort of rotated him at edge. They rotated him outside linebacker. Uh, but he's 6'3", 254 pounds. Very long arms at 34-inch arms. He was drafted at the number 37 position. Um, he only ran a 4.55, so, so really not... A, a fast get off really I mean not immensely slow but sometimes if you look at the tape he does look a little slow some people aren't a fan of this pick for a variety of reasons I've heard but first let me say I think this addressed a need an under need an underrated need people go you didn't need an edge that's wrong this team absolutely needed an edge this team needed an edge who can do both rushing the passer and stopping the run. Because you don't have a guy with both other than Eugene and Owosu. Otherwise, you have to pick one. You either want Boye Mafe to stop the run, or you want Daryl Taylor to rush the passer. But when you put either of those guys on the field, it's a dead giveaway as to what you're trying to do, and all the team, all the offense has to do is check out of that and do the opposite. If you see Daryl Taylor in, you're going to check into a run play, period. Period. Unless you're forced to, because it's third down and you're like behind the you're behind the chains. Otherwise, if you put them in on first down, you're gonna check out of your play. You just run at him, run directly at him. Boy, in my pay, you're gonna do the opposite. But you're probably gonna try to pass, and you're gonna just. Hope he can't get to the quarterback. And more than likely, you'll be right. Now, I do expect Boye Mafe to take a step forward. So maybe, in my mind, it is a battle between him and Derek Hall. Who's going to get that other starting spot aside alongside Chenna? But I think that's good. It pushes Boye. And Hall has still got a lot of... He's got the skill set, but he is a little raw, especially when it comes to his pass rush. He is more raw in that area. So he is closer to a Boye Mafe. And you, but let those guys battle it out. See who wins. Especially with Daryl Taylor being on a contract year. If you're gonna have you're gonna be in this position anyway. Get a guy with a year of development who at the very least, if you don't re-sign DT, can replace him. And then you don't have to worry about just having that pass where a specialist who can do nothing else. Cause I think he's really the only one with the with the liability that large, to be honest. So this was an underrated need. For sure. And it adds depth. So you, so some a lot of people don't think Hall's ready to come in and start. And that may be correct. But, you know, you see whoever's got the best pass rush wins, right? You know both of them can set the edge. And then use them both, right? Let them push each other in that category. And just see who wins. And it, this is a great time to bring up that they, I forget the man's name, but they just signed a coach who had his own uh, company working with plenty of NFL star talent like J.J. Watts or T.J. Watts. Um, basically, everybody, Von Miller, like, the list was crazy, and they just signed him as a coach. So that's going to be huge, I think, to helping develop Boye, helping develop Derek Hall. That'll go far. Um, DK even worked with him just on conditioning and stuff too. So that's huge. It's a great opportunity, and I think that'll help both Boye and Derek. You'd rather have the guy who can set the edge and who needs to develop in pass rushing, who's got the tool set to do so, than the opposite, right? And it's really interesting with Boye because out of college, he was known as the guy who cannot stop the run, but who can provide the pass rush. So, you know, you might see him really put it together this year with a year under his belt, and then he's a starter. I'm fine with that too, but I just I love having the competition, and I love having – Two options at that position, and both of them can set the edge, which is important. And then you just use DT as a as needed password, you know, passing only downs. Or obvious, obvious password situations, rather. All right, moving on. He is super athletic, though. So he may not be the fastest, but guys just got 
some real short area quickness to him, you know? Uh, super athletic. I see he's got that perfect size that you want. He's pretty instinctive. Uh, his quickness allows for him to a lot of times get to the blockers before, you know, block can really be set. He uses that and a lot of times. He gets his sacks off of that. You know, he even had a 14 pass rush win rate in college, which was uh, – higher than many of these draft classes, but it was even higher than Boye Mafe's uh, pass rush runway last year, which I believe was at 16%. So just a fun fact, really good guys who who, who won consistently, uh, whether it was a speed or what else. Now, if you watch this film, it's not going to pop off to you off tape. I don't think that Auburn used him right, and they had a lot of coaching changes, so I, just, I think you want to keep that in mind. They dropped him in coverage a lot, unnecessarily, to the point that I think that really was what detoured his development in that position. He just sort of uses power and athletic athleticism, but he wasn't challenged to do more or be better. So better coaching, I think, will go a long way for Derek Hall, who seems to have the drive to want to go. He can drop it to zone, which is great. Uh, Boye, I think, struggles in that a little bit more. And he is another guy who is just purely a Seahawk. Really gritty, true leader, can be another leader for this, for this locker room. He was... Huge and important to the Auburn program, really being the glue through a lot of different coaching changes and other challenges that that program dealt with. So excited for him to be on the team. Uh, one other thing that stands out to me, I forgot to mention, is his, his he's really good at reading and reacting. And that's important because I think that was an issue last year with some of the people. It's a read and react type of scheme. And there were a lot of players on the squad who were more react, right? Give me a simple job and just react. It works better. The read and react system, I think, works better. No. Are you as are you able to be as aggressive? No. But you're probably able to get the, like, respond properly to the plays being thrown at you, too, to prevent them from being explosive plays. And that's more important. Now, again, he needs to develop his pass rush a little bit more. He's not a super bendy guy at all. He's got enough bend, adequate bend. But that could be a bit of a challenge. He can be a little bit stiff in the hips. He can get stunted a little bit. Uh, that's still an issue for him. He's really going to have to learn how to, you know, pick that up at the next level. And there's a question about with him in the rotation, how does the rotation line up? In my opinion, based off of the press conference with Pete and John after, you know, after this pick on day two, Talking about that, he was asked about, John was asked about the, the pass rush rotation. And they don't really seem like Tariq Smith is either going to come back. Uh, is it Tariq Smith? Yeah, it's Tariq Smith. They don't make it seem like he's going to come back incredibly soon. They don't make it seem like, I don't know, they were just kind of weird about that. And I don't think they're counting on him. And if somebody got cut, it'd probably be him. To be honest, like it seems like he's the more likely guy to get cut, whether he's healthy or not. He already, he was a late round pick. He didn't have good hips. That's just not good for a pass rusher. You need your hips. And so I don't think he's much of anything. So I think right now, what you're looking at rotation wise, is going to be, of course, Nwosu. I'm just going to say Boye Mafe because he's a second year player right now. I'll say Boye with Hall as his backup and with Daryl Taylor as the backup for Nwosu. Then, of course, you got Alton Robinson, who will be coming back, and he'll be your fifth depth guy. I think that's what's more likely to happen. I don't think Hill is going to make it. I'm just put it out there now. That's my prediction. He gets cut, uh, or he's on IR most of the season, and they don't really use him. But I don't think he'll be a factor one way or the other. And I'm pretty sure they made this pick because they anticipate that that's the case, and they still wanted the depth. And you want that. So for people complaining with that's a problem, that is the best type of problem to have. A quality, good edge rushers. Even if they're not top-end talent. Death, uh, uh, pass rushers who can come in waves. Sometimes coming in waves is better than the high-end guy. Because you got guys with fresh legs ready and, and constantly getting at these uh, offensive linemen who are in the game every, every game or every play. So, uh, with all of that said, I'm going to grade this a B. Um, I don't think he's a guy. I question if he's a guy that can come in and start. Most people don't think so. I lean in that category, but I, I, I'm higher on him than others. And I do tend to lean that with his development and pass rush, even though he's got those long arms, which may help him, he probably won't be starting. 
unless something goes wrong with Boye. But this was absolutely the right decision, and it keeps their pass rush. I mean, it, the great teams just keep building edge depth. They don't stop. Did you, did you see the Eagles be like, oh, that's enough. We're good on the edge. No. <laughs> they got Nolan Smith. They got they got Jalen Jalen Carter. They got these guys and they got them in ways. Great teams don't just say, "Oh, we're good at that premium position." They continue to acquire talent because you never know who's going to match up and who, I mean, who, who's going to work out and who doesn't. One and two, the more, the better. I'm sorry, especially at that position. Moving on, so it's B. Zach Charbonnet. This was the pick that divided the fan base for sure, to say the least. Zach Charbonnet at UCLA. He's a running back, six feet, 214 pounds. Love the size. Uh, 22 years old. I really love this pick. I graded an A. Like, I, I, wait, I was waiting until the end to say picks. I graded an A. I just put it out there. Most people are going to say, you already had Kenneth Walker. Why did you need to get a, a running back this early? The same reason why everybody was excited to have Rashad Penny. And, and Kenneth Walker. The same reason. You want the one-two punch. The same reason why everybody was excited about the potential of Chris Carson and Rashad Penny being a great one-two punch. That's why. Because in this modern NFL, even in the even in the case with running backs being undervalued, you still need two quality running backs. Look at Nick. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like, it's not close. It's really not particularly close. It's him there, him right there in another stratosphere. And he had a great, not just good, a great one-two punch with Kareem Hunt. A great one. And it made their offense better for it. And Nick Chubb stayed healthy. So you still gonna you're still gonna use both guys. It's like you're going to want a running back going 25, you know, doing 25 carries a game alone. That's how you kill it. That's how you shorten the life of a running back. If you really want to preserve your running back, get him a good compliment. And it covers you if you're with injuries. We all watched Tony Jones get obliterated by Bobby Wagner in that Rams game when all the other running backs went out. And if you know anything about the Seahawks, if you've been following the past few years, we've had five running backs on the roster at the beginning of the season and still the last season when you played Tony Jones, we had five active running backs on the roster at the start of the season and still ran out of guys. So I'm sorry. You want, you want, you don't want that drop off to be steep at all. You really want to be able to maintain the same level of play because you know what else running out, getting, getting rid or having such a steep drop off at the running game did for the offense. Yeah. It made it harder on Gino. It did. If you don't believe it did, it did. And some of his drop-off in his performance wasn't just him. It was the inability to have a consistent run game, right? So we want to we wanna address that. Secondly, though, the other thing to consider, those three, those three tight end sets worked great. And then all of a sudden, they stopped. You want to know why they stopped? It only works if you have the threat of the run. <laughs> It just, it doesn't work if you only have the threat of the pass. Because then you already know what the, you already know what everybody's doing anyway. You, the whole making a tight end look like they're going to run block and then have them cut out for a pass. It just doesn't work. You don't have the threat of the run anymore. So it's predictable and it's ineffective. So it, it allows for you not only to help unlock the best of Geno, your quarterback, it helps you unlock the best or keeps insurance that you can unlock and continue to unlock the best of your offense as well, including the three tight end sets. Now we know there, I mean, they'll probably want more three wide receiver sets than they did last year. I think they ran 56% of uh, three tight three wide receiver sets. That'll probably increase a little bit more, but you, you want both. Again, the more versatility in your offense, the better. Now, were there some defensive players on the board you would have liked, like Keanu Benton? Yeah, you would have. But I'm going to say I agree with the front office in that the difference between Cameron Young, 
who they did get in the fourth round. And uh, Bennett, Benton, Benton, Keanu Benton. The difference between those guys, it's not really two rounds worth. I mean, it's it's not a big difference, man. Their job is going to be the same. Do you trust Benton to come in and maybe start day one more than you do Cameron Young? Yeah. Really make a huge difference? Probably not value-wise. So go ahead and get the best guy off the board instead of the, you know, fifth best defensive tackle or sixth best defensive tackle. And when their goal is going to be just to take up space and stop the run, that's important, but it's not so important that it's worth a, a pick that high. I understand. This class did not have a ton of depth in that regard anyway. So settling for lower level guys at a position that doesn't have quality in that draft versus getting high quality at a position that does have value. Well, I'm sorry, running back position doesn't have a lot of value. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is there's another draft, guys. And I and I think they're saying it's better for them to get the value at that position at the fourth round because, to be honest, if there were more guys in the draft at, at nose tackle, Benton would probably be like a third or fourth round pick. Like, he wouldn't be talking – he wouldn't be being talked about at this level if it wasn't for the fact that there just weren't enough guys. So why take a guy who you really got graded in the third or fourth round – that early because just because <laughs> just because like there's there's not it's not a great position this year that's just that's the definition of a reach and that's what everybody's been begging the Seahawks to stop doing reaching so when they don't reach anymore and they take the best talent available the guy who honestly Zach Char Jack Charbonnet is going to make much more of a difference for the team than Benton ever would Period. And there's no guarantee that Benton would stay healthy. So you're 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 you'd be downgrading and reaching in a position. And there's no guarantee with this guy with that guy. There's just not. There's no guarantee he's gonna come in and he's not gonna be a pro bowler. It's a nose tackle. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's it's only gonna move the needle so much. Having a guy who's just big and eats up space. Is only going to move your team so far. Is it important? Yes. But it's a check off a need thing, not a move the needle for your team thing. And this team is trying to build to help move the needle. And I respect that much more than reaching on a guy just because there are only like four guys in the draft that can do that. Just get a guy who may not be talented as highly, who has the same skill set. And again, he wasn't going to move the needle for you anyway. Just because it's not a well-known name. Doesn't make him that much less talented. Benton in any other draft would not have been charted as high as he was in this draft. That's just a reality. So just keep that in mind. Back to Zach. He is a do-it-all back. Simply put. You I, I'm not gonna read all this stuff. I'm not gonna read everything I've got. Hopefully you check us out on YouTube, read all the sort of things that I I mentioned, but he's physical. He's still got a little finesse with him. He can still run between the tackles. He's got patience, man. And most importantly, he can pass block pretty well, especially against the Blitz. And you know where that's going to be missed the most? Travis Homer is gone. And instead of having these guys that, like Travis Homer, who does this great but not other things, or DJ Dallas, who who's a better runner. So let's, let's just take DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, for, for instance. DJ Dallas, I think, is a better runner than Travis Homer is because he can take contact and still keep going. Travis Homer's down after the first tackle, but he's a much better pass blocker. So depending on what you wanted, you had to put both guys on the on the field, but it was pretty obvious that if Travis Homer was in, he probably wasn't running the ball more often than not. Sometimes they did, and it was oftentimes ineffective or just a random drop play where it was like 30 and 20. But like he wasn't a guy you had to put in to really get you yards. So it gave, it was a telltale to the opposing defenses on what you were going to do when you put him in. And you want a guy who can do it all. You want a guy who you don't know. He, I mean, he can get you those yards, yeah, and he can pass protect. You you want 
You don't want guys who just do one thing great. You want more guys who do a lot of things great. And this is what that guy is. And he's not got super elite speed, so he's not a Kenneth Walker, but he compliments Kenneth Walker personally. Ken Walker is known for jump cutting too much. Like, he, he dancing feet, right? Like, people say he's got happy feet. Dances too much in the pocket. Well, Zach is the opposite. He's got patience for blocking schemes, and he understands that. Ken Walker's not a guy who can get you short, short yardage. He struggles with that. It's not outside. He can grow in it, maybe, but it's not his thing. Well, Zach can. He's a guy who can get you those hard yards. And if he hits the hole correctly, he can also maybe not be a home a home run hitter. He's not a home run hitter. But he's a guy who can help you move the chains for sure. He could be a playmaker for you and gets and get you some big plays. And he's also really good out of the bat out of the backfield in terms of catching. So you can just do it all. Um it's not great positional value, people argue. I understand that. And he could get better at things. But I give this pick an A. It's a great pick. Great, great opportunity to get a player who's going to help move the needle for you. Even if positional value isn't great, I think he will be for this offense. And that's what matters most. All right. I'll sort of speed this along. I know I've been going. The top, the top picks deserve the most elaboration. After that, you just sort of, you're picking guys. Now, Anthony Bradford out of LSU was teammate, I believe his teammate of Damian Lewis. So uh great pick. I like the guy. He people questioned his scheme fit. I I I don't because so I'll say this. One, the power run stuff, they did some of that with Kim Walker and Kim Walker he did great with some of those types of runs. So you want a guy who can do that a little bit more and two I'm sorry, but they needed somebody on the inside who could specialize as the run in the run. You've already got a ton of guys who are good at pass who pass protection. Why get another guy who struggles in the run but can't your your line needs to complement your your line needs to have variety in skill set just as much as your running back room or any other your wide receiver room or any other thing we've talked about. If something's missing, you go at it. Period. They were missing a physical guy who can just move guys. You don't want your whole line being that way. But having a guy or two who can open up a hole for your running back, if nobody else can, you know those two guys can, that's it. That's critical. It's important. It just is. <laughs> like You got to be able to get the run game going. That, that was another part of the reason why the run game kind of stalled out. Yeah, running backs got injured too. The interior of that old line strolled to open holes, period. This guy does that. So, I'm here for the pick. No, he doesn't fit perfectly into the scheme. But he's he, he tested wonderfully. He's one of those athletic guards in his combine. So, huge explosiveness. And a lot of you, you don't see it on film if you watch film on the guy. But it's in him. So, yeah, you can work on the mobility. He's got the tools. You can work on that part. But get, getting a people mover, a guy who you can just bring in, who can get you some run yards when you need it, when you're short yarded situations, you need a guy who can just open up a hole for you, plug in Bradford. You'll be all right. I'm good with that. It's a good pick. I gave it a B plus. Um, he doesn't pick. Yeah, he doesn't fit the scheme. Um, he's going to struggle with, with speed rushers, I think. And he's not great in space or at the second level. So, you know, he's not a perfect prospect, but in terms of value and what he can do in his skill set that is needed, I, I it's, 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 that's on out of the park, right? So, big fan of that one. Cameron Young, that's when we finally got the beef going. Finally, the guy who could potentially play nose tackle. He's a little undersized for a nose tackle at 304, but I, I'm just going to say this. I don't think that the way of the modern NFL is going to have a ton of 340-pound guys. I'll just be honest. I know that's not the traditional size for a nose, but if you look around the league, not a ton of guys, not a ton of those guys left, especially if you look at like the top tier if you go on PFF, whether you believe in them or not, those there's some value to that. Look at the top performers, even the top 75. How many of those guys are over, say, 320? Not a lot. Not a lot. It's just, I think 
that's what people have in their heads. They don't realize that the NFL is changing. And what I like about this draft is it speaks to the Seahawks understanding that the NFL is changing and they're drafting accordingly. They're understanding that bigger guys, it's over 340, not as valuable. You want guys who can push the pocket a little bit. Who have short area quickness a little bit. Take take a few of those pounds off and add a little bit more mobility with some of the the schemes that as they get more complex. One guy who can just change direction a little bit more. Not as anchored. Because the run game isn't as popular as it used to be. You needed those 340 guys to stop the run. And I know this team needs to work on stopping the run. But if they can even be adequate at stopping the run, they won't get run on nearly as much. <laughs> they just won't. So, uh, I love this pick. I think it's great value. I think it's proper value. I think it's a, it definitely fills a position of need. He's pretty athletic, very athletic guy, great size. And I take guys with the, the physical traits I'll take that all day. I'm sorry, especially at nose. Nose tackles can come in and, and be effective as rookies. It's not guaranteed. Nothing is. But a lot of nose tackles can come in and plug and play. You're two-gapping. You're reading schemes. You're, reading, you're covering your gaps. And that's why you need that change of direction. And if you got the long arms, and he has 54-inch arms. You got long arms, man. That gets you far against these guards. At least get your help. At least you, if you got the physicality. See how it's just to get so many of these dudes who had the try hard. They had the they had the effort. But they didn't have the physical tools. And you can try hard all you want, but if you're if you're overcompensating for 30 inch arms, you're probably just gonna get beat a lot of the times. But even if you don't know everything, even if you don't know all the nuances and the technique and you got 34 inch arms. You can win more often than not. So, I'm going to trust that. I think this was a good play. Completely understand why they didn't get, you know, guys earlier. I think they wanted to, too, but just they weren't going to reach on a dude. They weren't going to reach on a dude just to say they got a dude earlier. Especially if he was at fourth round value anyway. So, good on them. Absolutely the right move. Uh, excited about Cameron Young right now. He looks like the starter. And I'm cool with it. I think if he looks that bad... The Seahawks will pick somebody in training camp. Don't expect Shelby Harris isn't coming back. He's not, because he's not a nose anyway. So Shelby Harris isn't coming back. If they if he's coming back, they would have signed him by now. That's just the reality. Cameron Young is your starter. And like I said, if he sucks, you'll see them add somebody. Just like when they realized the cornerback situation that year they got uh, Witherspoon. Akello Witherspoon, I think is his name. They realized all their cornerbacks sucked. They got a bunch of them. Now, it was late in the training camp that you, you didn't like that. But you'll see them adjust. You'll see them get guys in training camp. They see, they want to see what the team looks like. If Cameron Young doesn't look capable early in, they'll make a move. But they want to see what this young man can do. And honestly, so do I. A plus. Mike Morris. Now, I wasn't high on Mike Morris. He was pick 50, 151. I didn't want the Seahawks to get him. I saw him on their list of visits, and I was like, oh, God. Because he had such a terrible combine, one of the worst combines. But he was kind of experimenting, and he really wasn't sure where he fit in the NFL between edge and defensive end. And so Seahawks wanted to get the defensive end, so he ended up gaining 20 pounds since the combine and being able to fill in that need. So I'm a little bit better on the pick now. He is a versatile player. He can still, you know, Play on the edge if you need. He's got great athleticism, which is going to, I think, work well for him on the inside. It's definitely intriguing. With his athletic traits and with his versatility, there's a lot there. Um, he's still really, really raw, though. He plays too tall. Um, he just, so he doesn't, have good, and he doesn't have good balance as a result of that. Um, and while he looks like a great athletic athlete on field, Given how bad his combine was, you do question how athletic he really is. At least I do. So, I like the pick, but I really don't love it. For me, C+. Olu Sagun Alumawatimi. 
I think I said that right, guys. I'm so excited. I think I said that right. Man, was this a steal in the draft. I saw this guy being projected in the third rounds, fourth rounds, and he came, he got picked in the fifth round. Man, incredible value. This is a guy who is super accomplished at his position. He switched teams, guys. Came from Virginia over and over to Michigan, and he was still able to make a huge impact as a leader uh, and – and really in every way, he won the Remington Award, which is the best, um, which is the best um, offensive lineman, I think, or center at that position. And I think he won another award for best interior offensive lineman, which is just incredible. So he's decorated. He's got he didn't have a single sack last season. He's got great hands. I think he's going to push Evan Brown. Now, I, I like Evan Brown. I like Evan Brown a lot. I'll be honest. I like Evan Brown a lot. I think he's going to bring a lot to the table at center, but I think this guy's going to really push him. And he may not win. I don't expect him to come in and be a starter and win. But he's a guy. That's that, that's some depth at center. Coming from Kyle Fuller as a backup, who I still to this day feel like was not a capable NFL player, to getting Olu. I'm just calling Olu. <laughs> I got it right once. I'm not going to mess myself up. But to get this guy at this value is incredible. Um, and I think he's going to be a leader for this team moving forward. That's another thing you found. They were looking for guys who will be vocal leaders. And I think that's important. Because a lot of the guys that they got, a lot of the rookies that they got last year, as great as that class was, were real laid-back personalities, right? Yeah, Ken Walker isn't a vocal guy. Tariq Willen isn't a vocal guy. Uh Boye, Boye Mafe, not a vocal guy. Charles Quals, <laughs> a Lucas, maybe, maybe more so than the other guys at least, but probably still not a vocal guy. They wanted some guys who were going to be able to rally the crowd and, 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 and have it happen early. You need that. You need that alpha mentality. So, super excited for him. A plus. Jarek Reed, I don't know much about him. I'm not going to pretend like I know much about him. I'm just going to quickly move on. He is a safety. He's versatile. He's he's pretty small. But he's out of New Mexico. He's from the same town KJ was born. People always talk about KJ Wright was born or grew up in. People always bring it up. I don't know if it's that relevant. But, you know, I guess this is insurance if, you know, J Jamal goes down. You need uh, Quandre and Julian Love to be. Strong safety and free safety, and then you still got your depth at Jared Reed. That's cool with me. Sixth round, it really doesn't matter. It's hard to have a bad pick. I think I gave that a B. Yep. It's cool. Yeah, I would have liked another nose tackle, personally. Just honestly. But safety is fine. Um, Kenny McIntosh, another steal. Steal of another steal of the draft. This guy, I really love this guy. He's another guy who can do everything. He's known as a guy who can catch out of backfield, which is great because uh, this team does need that. Like You need somebody who's needed something, and he's needed that. But I also think he does everything else pretty well. He's physical. He's really good in open space. He can pass protect pretty well. Again, getting running backs that is not obvious what they're going to do when they hop on the field, right? Um, I think he's good enough for the other things to where if he hops on the field, you're not guaranteeing the ball's going to go to him and pass and like it's a receiver like you're not gonna pass the ball to him automatically he's good enough at doing the other stuff and he's hungry I mean best phone draft phone call by far it's not even close um I think yeah he struggled and he had a he had a really bad combine but I I just think the guy brings so much on film I think he still was a fourth fifth round value pick and now he's got a chip on his shoulder can't ask for more so Excellent draft. I got it with A+. Excellent draft for your Seattle Seahawks, for sure. Um, I was really high on this draft, excited about seeing what they're going to bring and how they're going to add and complement the draft before. So we went over a lot today. My final grade for this draft is going to be A-. I thought, yeah, you could do – You would, would you want another A+, would have been another, like, nose tackle instead of the safety for me. But – I'm good with it. I understand what they did. I understand the logic. I think they're making good decisions, and I, and I follow what they're doing. So, anyway, 
that's all I've got for today, guys. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, again, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening until the end. If you're listening on the podcast, please give us a review on iTunes. We'll start out any five-star reviews that we are put out there. We'd love to hear you guys' feedback. Um, probably do try to do another um, another draft. We'll, and it's a slow part of the offseason, so we'll try to put out some content for you guys that you guys will enjoy. So, in the meantime, guys, that's it. I'm out. And... As always, go on.